Give, me, give it to me back. Hey, everybody. Hey, good to be here today. Hey, thanks you guys for being here. Thanks you guys joining us online. We're so excited uh, to be able to host you. We kind of got two crowds going right here. And one of the blessings, actually, and the benefits of uh, COVID and of us kind of being quarantined is we've been able to really lean into our online experience. And so grateful for that and grateful for you guys being here. Listen, last week we had a special Sunday. You may not have known this, but you probably did. Is we launched our Elevate City campus. Let's go. Come on. So, so, so exciting. You'll see some pictures there uh, on the screen about what happened and how God moved. They had a few hundred people there. Also, they had three people begin to follow Jesus. So that's just a big win. That's why we're here. Hey, you can do better than that. Come on, especially front row. Let's go. That's great, man. We have just been so excited about what God's doing. And so thank you for making that happen. Thank you for giving. Uh, thank you for being a part of it. Thank you for praying. Thank you for encouraging. Thank you for believing in that. Um, not a lot of churches right now are starting campuses in the middle of a pandemic, but we really believe that this was God's path for us. And so we were just going to stay faithful. Also, just a note, uh, some of you guys may remember Joey, who used to be here. Now he's preaching down there. Um, you've probably forgotten him since um, he's down there. Just kidding. But tomorrow he's having his second baby. Um, so, well, Kayla's having her second baby. Let me say it that way. And so you guys will want to pray for them. Just excited for them. He's going to have a little boy. And so that'll be, man, what a blessing. And so excited for their family. You know, as we launched the Elevate City campus, one of the things we wanted to be sure is we want to be able to communicate from the very beginning who we were. You know, and we're teaching the same series at Elevate City as we are here. And so one of the things we want to be sure is we are a Jesus church, right? I mean, that is who we are. Man, that is our identity. It's what, we, it's what we talk about. It's what we bleed. It's what we believe in. Man, we believe that in Jesus, life comes together. We believe that with Jesus, life is better. We believe that forgiveness is found and purpose is uncovered for us as we just begin to follow Jesus. So hence the series, Jesus Over Everything. And at a time like this, what better time to kind of get back to the basics for us to understand and reorient our lives around Jesus over everything. Amen? And so they're launching that down there. We're launching it here. And last week we talked about Jesus over 2020, like Jesus over the year 2020. And what if we could just take the 90 days from last week to the end of the year and just kind of try to see if there are some changes that could be made, that if God could use 2020 to change us and to be the, more like the people he wants us to be. And if we could make not just some habit changes, but some lifestyle changes. So we just began to unpack that last week. And, and today I just want to talk about something that all of us face. It's something that we've all, we all face on a regular basis. We face it in small ways and in big ways. And it's fear. Man, we just want to talk about Jesus over fear. Let me hear you say fear. Fear, like Jesus over fear. We, we all struggle with it. I know I do. I, I don't know about you, but, but, but there have been some nights over the last uh, eight months or however long it's been. Uh, it's been a long time that I mean, I've, I've woken up and couldn't go back to sleep. Like my mind was racing, thoughts of the future, what's going to happen, what decisions, what am I missing? And, and sometimes I would wake up and couldn't go back to sleep and not even sure why. Just, these, just this anxiety would creep in. And it's just the, the way that we live right now and watching the news cycles we, we have. And COVID has just taken fear and just kind of elevated it. But, but it's something that we had way before COVID, isn't it? It's something that's held us hostage before, if we're honest. It's something that's held us back. I've never asked anybody, hey, what's your greatest fear? And they said, I'm not afraid of anything. I've never had that happen. Man, and when we're, we're afraid, it's, it's, it holds us hostage, and we don't really get to live in the freedom that God has created us to live. You know, there's a story that kind of, to me, just 
it, it just signifies this idea of, of freedom holding, of, of fear holding us back. There was a soldier by the name of Hiro Onada in World War II in 1945. He was a soldier in the Japanese army. He was trained in intelligence and special forces. And they invaded the Philippines. And he had three guys who were under his command. And so when the United States showed up, we kind of took care of business, right? And so the United States shows up along with the Philippine Commonwealth. And they're able to defeat the Japanese army. So the Japanese army was either, they were either all killed or they, were all, they all went back to Japan. Except for Onada. Onada and his three soldiers fled into the mountains. And in the mountains they stayed. And in the mountains they just lived off the land. Camping, right? No home. And they would maybe shoot a farmer's cow and have something to eat. They would get in firefights with the police department. Till eventually the three soldiers under Onada's command, they all died. But he lived. And he continued to live off the land for 30 years years. We have a picture of him coming out of the mountains in 1974. He had lived by himself away from his homeland, held hostage by fear because he didn't know the war was over. And for many of us, that's the picture of our lives. Man, we live in fear. We're held back by fear when God has freedom for us. God has a home for us to go to. God has a plan for us. And so, so what does that look like? And how did Jesus teach his disciples to live not in fear, but to live in freedom? So we're going to talk about today. I believe there's some people today that just need to be released from fear. Man, I believe that people are living in some fear, some anxiety, um, man, some distractness, some apprehension. You're just living in it and you just need to be free of it because you will never live in freedom until you're free of fear. Hey, let's grab our Bibles. We're going to be in Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. You'll know that Mark is one of the eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life. You have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John who just chronicled the life of Jesus while he was here. Now, obviously, the whole Bible is about Jesus, um, but Mark just kind of captures some of his story. I like Mark because Mark is very succinct and to the point. He uses very few words of all the Gospels, and so he gets right to the point. And Mark is telling this story about Jesus and a storm. Now, up until this point in the story, what has happened is Jesus is teaching the crowds, and he's been on a boat kind of pulled away from the shore, and there's mountains around, and so he's teaching up to the people who are gathered all around him. He's been telling these parables. Now, parables are just a story with a point. Parables are stories that Jesus would tell to try to connect a spiritual truth with an earthly meaning, to try to help people understand how to practically live out faith. And so he's been teaching them all the, these parables, but now he's about to demonstrate something different. He's about to demonstrate his power. Mark chapter 4, let's look at verse 35. It says, on that day when evening had come, he said to them, meaning his disciples or his followers, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat just as he was. And other boats were with him and, and a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling up. But he was in the stern asleep on the cushion. And they woke him up and they said to him, teacher, don't you care that we're perishing? And he woke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. I, now, I think he probably said that to more than the sea, don't you? He may have been talking to some people in the boat right there. Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. There was a great calm. And he said, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear. And they said to each other, who is this then that even the wind and the sea obey him? 
And so we see this picture of Jesus with his disciples in the storm. And notice in verse 35, first of all, it says, on that day when evening had come. Now, now, now think about this. If evening had come, it was dark outside. And so they're getting on the water that they were already a little bit afraid of because they thought it was kind of the birthplace of evil. And they're going in the dark. And now we all know that everything's scarier in the dark. Amen. Like any of you guys scared of the dark still? Come on, be honest, right? Like, like I'm, I, I'm always been scared of the dark. Like I was afraid last night the power was going to go out and Debbie was going to have to go find us a flashlight. Like I, I, I'm afraid of the dark. As a kid, no lie, I, would, I was so afraid of the dark. I would, I would lay in bed. I would cover my head all the way to where just my eyes were showing and my nose so that I could breathe. And I was looking right down the hall so that if anybody was to come, I don't know, what was I going to do? Scream like a, you know, a little baby? I don't know. But I'm just afraid of the dark. Everything is scarier in the dark. Jesus takes them out in the evening onto the open sea. And these guys are supposed to be kind of his guys. Like they're important. I mean, if you get to carry the leader of the movement, right, you're a VIP. They were professional sailors and they get afraid. They get scared. And this fear begins to hold them back. And Jesus wants to do something specifically in their fear you know, it appears that God led them into fear, but God didn't lead them into fear. Jesus isn't leading them into fear. Jesus is trying to lead them through their fear because he knows the only way out is through. That if he doesn't teach them some things about themselves and about storms and about fear, they're never going to get over it. They're always going to be afraid when it comes to fear. And we all have fears in our lives. And Jesus says, hey, let's go to the other side. And clearly, he's talking about literally, we're going to go the other side of the sea. But also, I don't think he's just talking about this boat going to the other side. I think he's talking about them going to the other side. Like that there are some things for them personally on the other side of fear that God wants to do. Man, there's some things in their character that God wants to do on the other side of that storm. That there are some things about their purpose that God wants to do on the other side. Like, have you ever wondered what's on the other side? of your fear? Have you ever wondered like what career is on the other side of your fear? Have you ever wondered what, what, what kind of marriage is on the other side of your fear of having a conversation? Have you ever wondered maybe what the relationship with your kids may look like on the other side of your fear? If you wonder maybe what your purpose looks like or what risk you would take on the other side of fear. Like I think the story is teaching us that God wants to take us to the other side, that God is always trying to move us. God is always trying to grow us. Try, God is never content with us just standing safely on the shores of life. And he wants to take us to the other side. And so he puts them in a boat at night to get them to the other side. And he leads them. Now, now we all have fears, um, but it comes in different shapes and sizes. You know, there's this a type of fear that we will we'll call apprehension. It's just like that time when you may need to go to the dentist or get something done, maybe get your teeth cleaned, maybe have a little test at school, have some apprehension about, oh, I don't know how this is going to go. I don't know if I really want to do this. And so you just kind of, you kind of dread it, but it's not really debilitating. But that fear can graduate to anxiety. Anxiety. Somebody write anxiety in the chat right now. You know you're struggling with anxiety. You're anxious about not typing in anxiety fast enough, aren't you? Right? I mean, Anxiety, we've all had maybe a sense of anxiety at times. And anxiety is like a backseat driver. Anybody got a backseat driver in your house? Don't raise your hand. Um, like backseat driver, just say, hey, turn here. Don't turn there. You missed the turn. Watch out. Do you see those brake lights? We're going to be late. Like a backseat driver is always talking, always telling you what to do, always there, always present. And that's what anxiety is. Anxiety is this voice in your head that's always telling you, 
the next destruction or the thing that you're going to miss or the thing that's going to go wrong and it's there. You know what it does? It just it steals your mind, your thoughts, so it steals your life. And then that graduates just a full-on alarm. Just panic. Just debilitating fear. And it's like that kind of alarm that just jolts you out of bed. And you wake up on the floor like, what's just happened? Remember when we had... We took some high school kids down to Jamaica for a mission trip, and we were not on the beach. We were in the mountains. The hardest week of work in my life. And so the last day, what we would do is, after we worked hard all week, we, would, we were going to take them to the beach. So it's Friday morning, and it's 5 a.m. And the way that you got the high school students up to go to the beach Friday at 5 a.m. was to take the two biggest speakers you have ever seen, about four by four, and put them in the doorway of the room where they're sleeping and turn it on full blast to where the windows crashed, the glass cracked. It was so loud. And you turn that on, and guess what high schoolers do? They wake up laying on the floor because it scared them so bad. That's funny. Come on. (laughs) Full-on alarm. And sometimes we live like that. And no matter what type of fear you may be facing, here's the thing. Every fear is a bully. Every fear is a bully. Every fear is standing in front of you, trying to intimidate you. Every fear that we have is a bully. And and we let it just limit our lives. And the, the sad thing about fear is that most of them are learned. Only two fears in life we don't learn, psychologists will say. The fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. So every other fear is learned. Now, now some of those are good, am I right? Like you, sh- you, you come face to face with an alligator, like you should be afraid, you know? I mean, there are some areas where fear can be good. But then there's other fear that just silences your life. I wonder what fears you've learned. I wonder what fears, I'm not talking about fear of snakes or fear of heights. I wonder what fears you have learned. Listen, fear, we learn fears that limit our lives. Some of you have learned a fear, maybe you, you learned it growing up. Maybe you had this fear of being without. Maybe you had this fear of not having enough. And so you are continually working, you're continually going to the office, you're continually managing your money, you're continually controlled by this fear of your finances. You know, for some people, maybe you fear being alone. You know, you could be single or married. You could still have this fear of being alone. You know, every married man that I've ever talked to, at some point in his marriage, just thought to himself that his wife, you know, just had this fear that his wife was going to die. Like she was going to be gone. She's going to be removed. Like what's he going to do? But you may have this fear of disappointing people. You know, it could be that as you grew up, you felt your, your parents may have treated you like you had disappointed them. And so you're always trying to live up to that. Always trying to make the best grades. Always trying to do the best at work. Always trying to make the biggest bonus just because your fear of disappointing people. Hey, anybody in here afraid? Anybody online, you afraid of what other people think of you? Right? I think, I think we all are. Here's how I know that. You all dressed a certain way today because you thought somebody's going to like it. Some of you were wrong. But we have this fear of what other people are going to think of us. What are they going to say about us? And it's like the old saying goes, we wouldn't worry so much about what other people think of us if we knew how little they did. They don't think about us as much as we think. But we live in this fear. We live fear of failure. Like what's going to happen if I fail? And, and Jesus knows this is going to hold us back. and He needs to take us through our fear to get us to the other side 
of faith. Man, the storm seems big. Jesus knows that that we're going to have fear. That's why he says this. In the Bible, the, the, the command that's in the Bible, the most frequent, is not, hey, love your neighbor. It's not love God. It's not pray more. It's do not fear. Over 365 times in the Bible, enough for every day of the year, the Bible says do not fear. Why do you think it's in there so much? Because God knows that we would fear. God knows that we'll have fear. Now, now the disciples say to Jesus in verse 38, they say, you know, he's asleep as if he doesn't care. And they says, teacher, don't you care that we're perishing? Like, don't you know that we're dying? And and I think there's a couple things going on here. You know, I mean, they look at the God of the universe like, hey, don't you care that we're dying here? Like, don't you know what's happening? Now, now, clearly, Jesus knew there was a storm, right? Like, clearly, he's God. He doesn't need the weather channel. He doesn't need Doppler radar. He doesn't need that little warning we kept getting last night while we were trying to watch the ball game that there's a tornado warning, right? He doesn't need that. But let's just say, so, so I don't believe he needs that. Like, I believe he's God. I believe he knows. But, but let's just say for a minute he didn't know. Let's just, for argument's sake, don't cut this video right here, right? Like, let's just say he didn't know. Do you think he would care that a storm's coming if he didn't know? Do you think he would care? Absolutely not. You know Why? Because he knows whatever comes his way, he'll find a way. He knows that he's powerful enough to take care of business no matter what happens. Listen, Jesus knows that. And so one of the beautiful things about what the disciples did is that in their fear, they, it says they woke him up. So don't you know they were already afraid and complaining about it before they woke him up? Don't you know they were already captured by this fear? They already were at this point of we're going to die. So what they did in this moment was they went from talking to themselves to talking to God. And what we need to do to be able to overcome fear is talk to God about the fears that we're talking to ourselves about. Because we have a fantastic reel in our mind of our fears and the things that are happening. Have you ever noticed that you have got the greatest imagination when it comes to fear? Right? Think about it. You'll get a headache and within five minutes you've played this what if game and you've got a brain tumor and you've got six months to live. You know what I'm talking about? Like, hey, parents, you ever, does that ever happen? You're always like, the worst thing has happened to my kids. Man, we have this great imagination. You would say you're not creative, but man, when it comes to predicting and imagining bad outcomes, like you can beat Walt Disney at that game, right? I mean, we can be so creative. And so we need to learn what it means to talk to God about what we're talking to ourselves about. Man, that's the first step out of fear. We got to learn to talk to God about what we're talking to ourselves about. Now, Jesus if we look at this idea of, of, of storms, we can kind of look at it as a metaphor for the things that happen in our lives. So many things happen that are, that are unexpected. There's some storms coming that we don't know are coming. You know, you're rocking along in marriage and, you know, your spouse gets a bad health diagnosis. You're walking along and maybe your teenager makes a bad decision. Man, you're walking along and you come into work and you thought everything was fine. All of a sudden, it's not. We face unexpected storms. But, but, but just, because, just because we're... In a storm doesn't mean God's not present in the storm. Jesus led them in the storm. He told them to go out on the water at night. He knew a storm was coming, but he knew that he would be there with them. The storm doesn't erase the presence of God, but it actually engages the presence of God. And what if, what if 2020 is just one big boat ride? What if it's been this storm to get our attention What if 2020 for us was for us to be able to have a different perspective on who God is? For for us, for him to move from being some far off, 
absent person, but to being real in our everyday lives? What if it moved from being a code of behavior to actually being a God that we worshiped? And this is the part of the journey that we take as we move through fear. We've got to learn to talk to God about what we've been talking to ourselves about. Then, then we, as we go on, <clears throat> excuse me, in verse 40, Jesus says this. Jesus said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Have you still no faith? Now, now, now the word afraid there just means cowardly. It means to step back. It means to be timid. And so, so, it was like he, so Jesus is saying, like, why are you stepping back? Why are you playing the coward? And what's cool about this particular version of afraid is, like, he's not condemning. Because, like, in my mind, I'd be like, dude, man up and quit being a baby. Like, that's kind of, that's not what he does. Jesus, it actually has this tinge of compassion in it. It would be just like, for those of you, maybe when you were a small kid and you were afraid and you ran into your parents' room. And they were like, oh, what's wrong? It's okay. There are not monsters in the closet. <laughs> and they would just try to take care of you. Like, this is kind of the language that we get from Jesus. Listen, we, we, we can't really stop the feeling of fear at times, but we can, we can stop being afraid. Amen, somebody? Amen, somebody? Like, we can stop. We, we, we can't always stop this feeling of fear, but we can stop being afraid. Being afraid is actually an action. And the way that you stop being afraid... It's not to step back, not to be a coward, not to be timid, but it is to run towards fear. Like whatever your fear is, like run towards fear. If, as you look in the Bible, what we see is some of the great heroes of the faith, man, they just ran towards their fear. I love the story of David and Goliath. You remember this story, right? You remember this story? David kills the giant Goliath, this big giant. And it says that when he got to the battle line, all the soldiers in the Israelite army were shrinking back in hiding. like, who's going to go fight him? David comes to the battle line. He doesn't get behind a big rock and throw his little rock. He says he ran towards the battle line. Right? That's what David did. There's this guy named Abraham in the Bible. It's, God comes to him and says, you're going to be the father of many nations. But here's what I need you to do. I need you to leave your home and go. Well, God, where am I going? I'll tell you when you get there. And Abraham didn't shrink back in fear, but he stepped out in faith and he went into his fear. Hey, this happened with Moses. Like, I just always feel sorry for Moses. Don't you guys just feel sorry for Moses? I mean, come on, Terrence. Like, Moses, really? Man, he's always gets, he feels like he always gets dealt a bad hand. And so God comes to Moses and he says to, he says to Moses, hey, what, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take three million complaining, whining, hard to deal with Jews and lead them in the promised land. And Moses is like, why me? Like, why me, God? And he's like, don't worry about why you, it's why me. And so, and, and, and Moses is like, how am I going to do it? And God says, I'll be with you. How will I know you're with me? Well, when you get done, you'll worship me in the promised land. What? I need some assurances beforehand, not after. But what does Moses do? Moses steps into his fear and he ends up being a hero. He ends up being a, one of the heroes of the faith. And I wonder maybe what fear you need to step into today. Like what fear do you need to run into? Maybe it's a hard conversation with somebody that you know. Maybe it's a hard conversation with your spouse. Maybe it's a conversation with one of your children. You know, maybe it's a, maybe it's a conversation you need to have at work. Maybe it's a jump to a different career. Man, maybe it's, maybe it's something that you, don't, you never thought you could do, but you need to lean into it and run towards it so that it doesn't always dominate you. And hold you back and run towards fear. That's the way we see God's people trust him more. And we see God come through when people run towards their fear. You know, all fear is a result of sin. Like, 
just to, just to kind of show you where, the, where fear started, Adam and Eve are created in the Garden of Eden. They're placed in the middle of the Garden of Eden, and God says this, hey, don't eat of that tree, the tree of the knowledge of good. Like, don't eat that one. Every other one you can have. All of them. They're not afraid of animals. They're not afraid of anything. Back then, you didn't have to be afraid of alligators because they just... There was no anger between uh, men and animals, and nothing happened. And so all of a sudden, Adam and Eve decide to sin. They break the relationship with God, and then they hide. God comes looking for them, and their first words to God are, God's like, where are you? And their first words to God are, we were afraid, so we hid. First words after sin happen, and that's why we have sin in our lives. And we, we, we try to... We try to do things to cover up this fear. Number one, control. We talked about this a little bit last week. Any control freaks in the room besides me? Man, we want to control everything. And not just because we're trying to be good managers or be uh, efficient. We want to control so we can avoid fear. Because if we're in control, we, we know what the outcome's going to be. So we want to control our friends. We want to control our job. We want to control our finances. We want to control our kids. We want to control our health. We want to control. Another thing that's happened, especially through COVID, is we've tried to medicate our fears. Medicate our fears. Alcohol sales are up 35% since COVID hit. And it's not because people are throwing a lot of big parties, if you know what I'm saying. It's because of fear, because you can't be having big parties. And we're medicating our lives, but it's not doing anything to eradicate the fear that we are experiencing. And that's holding us hostages and keeping us from living the life that God has for us. Like, can you imagine one day without fear? Like, can you imagine if there was just a magnet that just could remove all fear from your heart? All dread, all anxiety, all apprehension, all alarm. It could just remove it. And you could just live a life free of concern about anybody else but God. Like, wouldn't that be an incredible day? And this is what Jesus is trying to, where Jesus is trying to get his disciples and to get us as well. Now, one of the reasons why we go through storms is to make us complete. Like God has a purpose in the storm. We see this in James, uh, James chapter 1. James says this. He says, uh, what verse are we in? Two. Okay, gotcha. That's because that's Colossians. That's not James. Y'all don't really care, do you? But I'm going to get there. He says in verse 2, he says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So as we go through storms, what happens is it makes us complete. As we go through storms, what happens is, man, God's just saying, I want you to be dangerous. I want you to have impact. I want you to get rid of small thinking. I want you to get rid of small dreams. I want you to think bigger than your life. And I'm going to take you through difficult times in order that on the other side of it, you can look back when you get there and you'll be the person you always wanted to be. As a matter of fact, you didn't know you could be that person. And if you knew that was the offer, you would have picked it every single time. He says, I will make you complete. Like this is the first reason, but it's not the only reason. Right? It's not the only reason. God wants to make us dangerous as people in a good way, but he also needs a church that's complete, a church who will step out in faith, a church who won't be held back, a church who will just shake off the shackles of fear and step out in faith to reach a dying world because, my Lord, the world needs some hope right now. Amen? 
right? The world needs some good news. The world needs an anchor to hold on to. And we have the message. And so that's what God is looking for in people, but also in the church. But even that is not the greatest purpose of fear, right? It's not just make us complete. It's not just so that our church would live with faith. The greatest purpose of fear is that we would make him king, is that we would make him king. Watch in verse 41 exactly what happens what they say in verse 41 is they come to the end and they look at each other and they're like they were filled with great fear and what that means is they feared a great fear he didn't know mark didn't have any other words to use so he just kept using the same word over and over big fear big fear not apprehension not anxiety not even alarm but he feared a great fear because they got a picture of who God was and then they asked this question who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him and they were big afraid so let's take a second and let's just remove the metaphor for just a minute because a lot of times we'll do this with these types of physical situations what happens is we look at them like hey it's just how does it impact me and what's it like let's remove the metaphor for a minute he was in the middle of a storm The wind was blowing, lightning was crashing. They were afraid for their lives. How many of you, I don't know how many of you, maybe you've been in a boat afraid for your life. Now I've not been in a boat afraid for my life, but I've been in a car afraid for my life. Hello, when I was teaching my teenagers to drive, come on, let's go. Or my driving, right? I've been in a car afraid for my life. How many of you have been in an airplane afraid for your life? Yeah, I mean, that thing starts going up and down, turbulence hits, you're not sure what's happening. All of a sudden, you know, the drink you had just ordered ends up on the ceiling of the plane. You know it's going to be a bad day. I mean, this is the type of fear that gripped them in this moment. And it wasn't just some idea. It wasn't just, oh, the storms of life. This was a literal storm. They were scared for their lives. And what does Jesus do? Peace be still. And it stops. And in that moment, they knew They'd come across something special. They knew that all the parables that he had taught literally were demonstrated in his power in their lives. They knew, and they're like, we can't manage this. What are we going to do? They feared a great fear. And I believe this is the great purpose of storms, is, man, that, that we would fear God. And I know that fear God, it's, it's, got, a little, it's got some negative connotations to it, doesn't it? I think I can remember my dad saying to me, boy, I'm going to put the fear of God in you. Anybody's parents say that? Come on, like, right? And it was more of this angry, I'm going to pound you, more of this, I want you to be scared of me. But that's not what it means to fear God. Listen, when we think about this idea of fearing God, it just means that, that, that God is a loving God who comes to us, who has good things for us. And yes, he has some parameters for us to live in. He has some laws that he knows is the way the world works and it's good for us. And he wants us to fall within those. Just like a good dad would even in our homes, a good dad would in our families. And he wants what's best for us. And because he is dad, there's just this reverence. There's this respect that we have for him. In the book of Ecclesiastes, um, he writes about this idea of fearing God. He says in verse 13, he says, The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. And this is just this radical dependence, this radical God-centeredness that shapes everything of our lives. It shapes our conversations. It shapes how we think. I mean, it shapes our finances. It shapes the jobs that we take. It shapes the houses that we buy. It literally shapes everything. That's what it means to fear God. It's just this radical dependence on God alone. Up until that point, disciples didn't really know what they had. They heard some stories 
but they didn't really know what they had. It reminds me of a story from 1989. There was a financial analyst in Philadelphia that went to a flea market. And he sees this picture, and he buys this picture, not really for the picture, but for the picture frame. So he buys it, and he takes it home. And as he's cutting out the picture to put something else in it, a folded document falls out of the picture. And he takes it, and he opens it up. And it's the Declaration of Independence. One of 12 copies in existence. And what cost him $4 at the flea market is now worth $2.4 million. Now, can you imagine being the vendor at the, at the flea market where he bought that picture for $4? Like, can you imagine finding out what you missed? Can you imagine thinking of day after day after day, I've sat here and I've seen that picture and all along it was worth a fortune, but I missed it. And I think sometimes we do this with Jesus. Listen, this story shows that he's over everything. Man, his wisdom is wiser than kings. He's over every political event. He's over our education. He's over our, he is over everything. This power that he showed shows that he is worthy of glory and majesty and worship and that he can be over our fear. He can be over our fear. And so there's no need for us to go through like Hero Anada living off the land, just scraping by when freedom is the offer that God gives us. Now the disciples got it. The disciples, it took them a while. But, and as they've experienced fear in this story, I mean, when Jesus was arrested, they knew. They knew that you know who's next once the leader's arrested the followers are next. They're coming for you. So they all hid. They'd seen him calm the storm. They'd seen greater miracles than that, that they ran and they hid. But then they turned into the greatest movement history has ever known. They were the seeds for the gospel to move from just a small few to billions of people throughout history. Like They became bold and brave and dangerous. How did that happen? How did they move from just being afraid to being carriers of the greatest movement ever was the resurrection they saw the resurrection and they saw that Jesus everything he'd said he had power even over death our greatest fear the one thing we don't know how to handle the one thing that's coming for all of us and we don't know when if he has power over death he has power over everything including your fear man what is it that's holding you back what fear have you learned that's keeping you back. Man, what, what thought keeps going through your mind that's distracting you? Where, in, in conversations, you're not present. You wake up in the middle of the night or early in the morning. You're driving down to work or to pick up your kids, and it's on your mind, it's on your heart, and it's captured you, and it's holding you hostage, and it's bully that you can't seem to get out from in front of you. Like, what is the fear that you have learned? Listen, Jesus is over fear. Come on. Let's pray together. So just with our heads bowed, eyes closed, here in the room, online, let's just take a moment, maybe just a few minutes, maybe the only time all week you get to just be still and be quiet and just listen 
for God's voice. I would just say this. Let's start out by talking to God what you've been talking to yourself about. Like what's been that fear? Man, maybe fear that you're not going to measure up. Fear that you're going to be found out. Maybe there's some secret sin and you're just afraid that it's going to come out in the open. Hey, trust me, it is. It's coming out. You better run towards it and expose it now. You know, maybe you're afraid that you're going to be alone. Maybe you're afraid of failure, like whatever it might be. You know, and for some people, the reason you live in fear is because you've never committed to follow the one who can, who can deliver you from everything, who can deliver you from your fear, who wants to grow you through your fear, and that's Jesus. Let me, let me just tell you the gospel. God is so good. Man, he doesn't want us to live in fear. He didn't create us to live in fear. It's not the natural order of things. But because we sin, we now live in fear of so many things because we don't trust him alone. And the offer of Jesus is the offer to follow him. He wants to answer this question. Who is this that even the wind and the seas obey him? He wants to answer that question for you. And because it's such a great gesture of love, because he is so kind and patient with us. It requires our life. We should surrender our life to him. And maybe that's the step for you today. You just need to take that step just to commit your way to follow him for the rest of your life. And the way you do that is just through what we call prayer. And it's just by, by talking to God and telling him the commitment of your heart. And so what I'd love to do is just to lead you in a prayer today that maybe today, this is the day where not just 2020 is different, but your life is different and your fears are calmed because you follow Jesus. So I'm just going to lead you in a prayer today. And you can just repeat these words after me. Dear God, I believe that you are good. I trust that Jesus died for my sins. And I commit to follow him every day of my life. You know, the Bible says that if you pray that, immediately you're a new creation, that God's going to begin to work through your storm. He's going to begin to work through your fear. He's going to begin to calm your fear. He's going to begin to show you how he's better, he's bigger than your fear. So God, we know that you're bigger than our fear. You're better than our fear. And we just ask you to take our fears away, but help, us not to, help them not to just be gone, but God, that you would truly help us see how you're better than our fears. You know, for those that, that did make that commitment today, just in the spirit of prayer, I just want to help you mark this moment because what can happen is you're going to go through the day and you're going to try to let your mind go back towards fear. But I want to give you a point in time to look back on, to remember, to fill your mind with. And that's this point right here during this service. So, so if you prayed that prayer today, it doesn't matter if you're online, it doesn't matter if you're in the room, I'm going to count to three. I'm just going to invite you to slip your hand in the air. Just a hand of surrender, just a hand of I'm in, just a hand of victory on the count of three. One, two, three. Just hand in the air. That's great. Online as well. Just believing people online that God's just doing something in your life to help you to get past, to get over, to get through your fear. Lord, we know that in our world there's so many things competing voices, voices of anxiety, voices of fear. They're trying to run us and rule us. But God, we won't live in fear. We refuse it today in Jesus' name. God, we know that every time we turn on the news or wherever we go, that people are going to, man, they're going to just play on our fears. But God, we don't, we don't let them rule us anymore, Lord. We live with faith in the Son of God who loved us and delivered himself up for us. And we just say victory today over fear in Jesus' name. 
God, give us the strength that we need to overcome our fear. Give us the tenacity we need to move past our fear. God, give us the courage we need to get through our fear and to run towards it, God, in Jesus' name. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everybody said, amen.